Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, hello and welcome to episode 75 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, may the fourth be with you. And also with you, but be careful because it could be revenge of the fifth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. If you are, if you're catching this a day late, it will be revenge of the fifth. Uh, But today we're releasing early. So that way this episode could come out on May the 4th. We are doing our second annual Star Wars film. We did a new hope last year. We made up some blue milk that we got from the Sky Talkers podcast. So uh, go give that a listen. If you need to, if you need to start at the beginning slash the fourth, um, do that. But then, you know, we're going to be getting into The Empire Strikes Back today, which is a great day. It's widely considered to be one of the greatest uh, sequels of all time. Um, it's a lot of people's favorite Star Wars film. Uh, it's I certainly hold it in in high regard. But before we before we get into that, we need we need to catch up a little bit. What have we been doing? Otherwise, uh, Michaela, it is it's pollen season here. So I've been sneezing. I've had a, a congested head, but we went and saw a movie. We went and saw The Northman. Uh, how was that? How'd you, how'd you like the Northman? I thought the Northman was good. I, I had, I didn't have very high expectations. I loved the look and feel of it. I thought mm-hmm. it was beautiful, very dark, very gritty as you would sort of expect. And I loved the plot kind of twist that happens and I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. because we're not sure. covering it, but um, there's a twist where you're, you're thinking it's going one way and it's totally not. And I loved that. Um, but I thought it was good. If you, I think people will enjoy it if they are interested in, in a Viking kind of revenge stories, mm-hmm. it's really good. And the acting's really good. It's got a lot of really cool characters. I didn't know Willem Dafoe was in it. Um, and he plays kind of a small part, but he's uh, epically amazing as he is with most things. So yeah, mm-hmm. I liked it. What about you? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It was about what I expected. Um, I think that if you are in tune with uh, Norse mythology and things, you probably get a little bit more out of it. You can kind of understand a little bit more of the symbolism. But if you're going in as, you know, kind of a, a kind of a novice to those types of stories, um, I still think you would enjoy it. Like you said, the the twist and like this uh, family revenge uh, sort of tale that's going on is great. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is fantastic. And this thing, it just, it looks unbelievable. Um, you know, the way they're playing on uh, colors and shadows and shading and uh, the way things are framed and look, it, it looks unbelievable. So yeah, if you're interested at all, I would definitely recommend going to check it out. But have you been seeing anything else lately, Michaela? Took my son to see the bad guys. Okay, okay. was... Similar uh, to the Northman. In most ways. So, yeah. yeah, totally. Absolutely. Same story, really. Uh, and it's um, it was actually pretty good. It was surprisingly good. It, it was mm, like a, okay. it's kind of a heisty um, Ocean's Eleven kind of feel, but it's a cartoon. It's an animated film. Um, yeah, because they're all the quote unquote like 
bad, scary animals, right? Is, right. is kind of what this right. is based on. Yeah. Yeah. So the big bad wolf is the ringleader and you've got like a snake and a piranha and a shark, you know, all the things, all, a lot of animals that can kill people and, and do mm-hmm. in a lot of, mm-hmm. in a lot of fables and myths and stuff. And it, it's, it's neat. I liked it. There's a lot of heistiness to it where they, you know, try to steal things and, or are they stealing things and are they bad versus are they good? And I liked it. My son loved it. So it doesn't surprise me that it's done as well as it has in the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? Oh, I did see a new Netflix film that came out with oh, okay. Chris Pine. Um, and it was another, I love Chris Pine. So anything he's in, I try and watch. And it just came out and it's called All the Old Knives. Okay. And it's 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 out on Netflix. And it's also got... Fanny Newton. Um, she's amazing in it. Chris Pine is always awesome. I thought it was a really interesting espionage spy um, relationship betrayal thriller film. I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. It wasn't the best uh, thing I've ever seen Chris Pine in, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to uh, check that out. The wife and I binged through uh, Ozark. So we finished the final season of that. So we we're all caught up, but I'm not going to talk about it because Michaela's too busy watching a Chris Pine movie instead of watching <laughs> Ozark. So, so we'll have it's to. It's uh, only talk. been out in your, in my defense, it has only been out for two days. So you, you, you guys call? and the rest of America decided to do nothing but watch it this weekend. And that's admirable. That's yep, fine. That's- that's right. You call yourself a fan. Myself and Jason Bateman are disappointed in you, um, as is everyone else. But uh, we have important stuff to talk about. It is May the 4th. It is Star Wars Day. And we're going to be diving into The Empire Strikes Back. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back to uh, get our cocktails made and fight off the Empire. All right. So this week's cocktail, it comes from the Summer Fruit Cup blog, which uh, hasn't been updated in a little while. But you found these recipes, Michaela. Uh, they looked pretty cool. I went back and looked through the blog, and the blog was kind of fun. So maybe it's just on hiatus, uh, but yeah, you know, go check it out. We'll put a link to uh, to their site here in the uh, show notes and on the website. But they had these cocktails, and they were themed for the Empire Strikes Back locations, uh, and we wanted to give them a try. They all sounded uh, pretty good. But wait, what's that up in the sky? That is a Star Destroyer, and it's raining down probe droids to find our location of the new Rebel base. So we're going to grab our ingredients, and we're going to get this movie started, and we're going to have to mix these up as we go, because the Empire has arrived. Spoiler warning for Empire Strikes Back. If you've not yet seen this film, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast, because it's a movie that has gone over generations of people. And everybody has watched everybody except my good friend, Jamie, Jamie, if this is the first time you're listening to this, you can go ahead and skip it because you're going to want to watch this film before we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But if, if you haven't seen it, go ahead. Uh, you can stay with us. Cause we're going to talk about these three amazing drinks based on these three amazing planets that mm-hmm. take us on this journey through empire strikes back They've all got their own personalities and there's really cool adventures that happen in each of the areas. And likewise, we have three amazing drinks to pair up with them. So just so you know, uh, if you've seen it, great. (laughs) Sit back, relax, and listen to us as we 
go through this entire film. That's right. That was that was a very lengthy uh, spoiler warning for a film that came out in 1980 that everyone on the planet has seen. Um, but yeah, if if you've not, uh, you know, take a break. Uh, go to the website and find the ingredients for the cocktails and make those while you're watching it, and then come back and we'll chat about it. So 1980, as I mentioned, uh, this is the George Lucas creation. This was directed by Irvin Kirshner, and it stars again Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. Harrison Ford, uh, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Kenny Baker as R2-D2. It's all the, it's all the old cast from A New Hope. Uh, we're also bringing in Billy D. Williams. He's going to be playing Lando Calrissian, the uh, smoothest character in uh, maybe all of film history. It's hard to say. We're going to get into that and talk about it. Uh, but this won an Oscar, Michaela. It also won a second uh, Special Achievement Oscar, uh, which I guess counts as two Oscars. So it won for Best Sound and the Special Achievement in Visual Effects. But it lost for Best Art Direction and it lost for Best Score. John what? Williams, John Williams did not win for Best Score. Do you know what won? I'll give you, I'll give you a guess. Just, just guess randomly off the top of your head. You're never going to think of it. It's fame. Sophie's choice. Fame. I want to, fame? I want to live. I want to live I forever. Live forever. Fame. Yeah, that I fame. Wanna... That one. That won the Oscar. Learn not John Williams. Fly? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh my yep. gosh. Okay. Well, you know what we should do here on Drink the Movies is at some point we should do an episode of Oscars that we got wrong, that the entire world got wrong. I'm looking at you, Shakespeare in Love versus Schindler's List. I'm looking at you. But we should do something like that because this would be definitely like number two on our list of misdirections within the Oscar world of who decided who in the right mind <laughs> thought that fame i want i mean look look listen no and no sh it, no shade to fame no, no shade, shade to fame, fame. but but, Holy but moly. we're not but talking not. about fame's 47th anniversary of amazingness this year we're not we're not doing that what we are talking about is this amazing john williams beautiful score that has lasted and run the test of time we have an entire world's in Florida, dedicated to this in, this movie, it's I, yeah, yeah. You got so, it wrong, Academy. Yeah, you got it so, wrong. So you, so you blew that one, and uh, yeah, and you know what else was blown was that was the location of the Rebel Alliance's new base, right? So um, as I mentioned, there's a Star Destroyer up ahead. It is raining down probe droids through the galaxy, and one is going to land on the frozen planet of Hoth, which is where we catch up with our heroes. We have Luke Skywalker, who is out riding around on his trusty Tauntaun. He is looking for, um, I don't know, some sort of markers and things. And there's a, he sees, he sees one of these probe droids crash and he says, I need to go check that out. But before we go check that out with Mr. Skywalker, we need to check out the cocktail for Hoth. And this one is super simple. Um, I, I, I dare say that it was tasty and kind of a, kind of a menthol cough drop kind of a way, but, but Michaela, tell us about our uh, cocktail for the icy planet of Hoth. Okay, so this Hoth cocktail, it is one and a half ounces of your favorite vodka, and then mm -hmm, three quarters mm -hmm. of an ounce of creme de menthe, okay? Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. what you're gonna do is you're gonna take a glass. Now we did this in a rocks glass, mm -hmm. right? And we used crushed ice. I think that that is really the key. Um, you want ice to be the ice particles to be fairly small because you want this to get really, really cold. And so what you're mm -hmm. going to do is you're going to fill that glass with your crushed ice in a separate shaker. You're going to add the one and a half ounces of vodka and the three quarter ounces of cream de menthe. You're going to shake that up without any ice in it. Just make sure it gets really good and mixed. And then you're going to pour that right on over uh, your glass of crushed ice. Now, what I find interesting is that it 
looks a little blue, which is weird because neither one of my vodka or the cream de menthe was blue. I don't know if that's because it reacted with the ice. I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist. I don't know, but it creates this icy blue, like just a hint of blue concoction that you then drink and the menthol mintiness kind of coats your throat. And it's almost like a cold cigarette. It's really weird and yet strangely delicious. It was very weird. I, I I still don't see the blue in it that, that you saw, but that's a, that's okay. That's okay. Let us know. Make one of these at home and let us know if you think that it's that it's blue or not. Um, but it is. It's crystal clear and it is ice ice cold. So you have the the chunky uh, like crushed ice, and you have uh, the vodka and the creme de menthe, which is like this cooling thing. And when I was thinking about this cocktail, I'm like, that's going to take like taste like a Hall's Mentholiptus uh, cough drop, and that is what it tastes like. But it's it's weirdly refreshing um, in kind of a way like it would be really good, like as like an after dinner thing. Like if you just had like a huge meal, you'd be like, oh, I'll just have one of those. And that would be like good, like digestive kind of a thing yeah. uh, with, with the mint, like an after dinner mint cocktail kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But it's but it's really good. And kind of the description of it in this uh, in the blog that we found was that, you know, they just wanted it to taste, you know, super cold, like like Hoth and, uh, you know, this this uh, snow ice planet is uh, it's very cold looking. I get cold watching the Hoth section on Empire Strikes Back all of the hundred times that I've watched it. But uh, but yeah, what do, you, what do you think, Michaela? Are you going to are you going to mix these up on the regular? You're going to you're going to try this again. Is this something you're yeah. you're into now or? Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I think I'm probably going to have to add it to another flavor. I think if you added like a coffee liqueur or a chocolate liqueur with it, it would also be really mm, nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I loved the cold crispness of it because it really, it really did suit the world of Hoth, right? And as we get back into what's going on in the movie, poor, <laughs> poor Luke, he gets his face like almost torn off by a mm-hmm, abominable mm-hmm. snowman thing that has a name. I'm sure you know what it is, Brian. Uh, that's right. Yeah, the uh, the you see Luke there. He's riding around on his tauntaun. Uh, he takes a paw to the face from the uh, wampa. He gets drug off to a cave, and he is not. He doesn't check in with the rebel base. Uh, you get you get you get Han and Chewie. They're there trying to fix up the Millennium Falcon. Leia is there. She's like, "Why uh, Luke hasn't checked in? Where's Luke? Haven't heard from Luke. Uh, we need to find Luke." So Han says, "Give me one of those tauntauns. I'm gonna ride it out there. I'm gonna find Luke." Han is here to save the day. Um, you know, even even though the temperatures are freezing, you know, they're as cold as this cocktail. Uh, but yeah. he's he's gonna go out anyway. He needs to go find his buddy. Yeah, it's one of my favorite scenes of this of this film actually, and it's really short, but. They try to tell Han, hey, don't go out. It's too cold. You know, we're going to have to, there's a blizzard coming in or, you know, because the whole thing is covered in ice. So I don't know why they think a blizzard's coming in. The blizzard does arrive. But either way, they're like, dude, don't leave. It's really cold. You don't have a coat on. <laughs> like he's going out as, as he does, like as Han Solo, right? And he had just gotten into a fight with Leia. She's, you know, kind of taunting him and saying, you can't wait to leave. And he's like, of course they can't wait to leave. But as soon, as soon as he hears that no one has heard from Luke and Luke is out there, he's like, I'm going and I'm going right now and you're not going to stop me. And I think it really shows his growth as a character. You mm-hmm. know, Han gets a lot of, uh, we we take a lot of cheap shots at Han because they, you know, there's this whole debate about Han shooting first or not in uh, A New Hope and whether or not, you know, he's just a bounty hunter and is he a good guy or, or is he was just in the right place at the right time. But to me, this is when it really starts to show his allegiance and 
depth of character because he, I mean, in in all reality, they think he's going to die. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're worried about him going out, looking after, looking for Luke. They're like, he's never going to make it back. And yet he's like, my friend is out there and I'm going to get him real cool. That's right. That's right. So he gets out there. Um, he does find Luke. Luke makes his way out of the, the layer of the Wampa. He uses the force to get his lightsaber back. Um, he has a, uh, maybe it's a hallucination. Maybe it's a force vision. It's hard to say. Uh, but, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi sprouts up the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi says, uh, you need to go to Dagobah. Uh, you need to find Yoda. That's going to, that's going to be your, uh, your call to adventure there. So, um, so yeah, so Han finds him. He's out in the snow, freezing to death. Uh, Han's Tauntaun uh, collapses. It's too cold for the Tauntauns who are native to Hoth. So it's definitely too cold for uh, Han and Luke. So uh, what do you do? You cut open the Tauntaun, you stuff Luke inside of it, and you start building yourself a little igloo so you can make it through the night. And they do make it through the night. Snow speeders come the next morning. They find them. They take them back to safety, put Luke in a hot tub full of uh, some healing uh, Bacta, and he is good to go. Uh, right. uh, but, the, but, the, but, but that maybe, maybe, maybe a questionable decision is made and, and, and it's that you, you get a kiss from, uh, you're going to find out later is your sister. So womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Uh, if you've, if you've not seen return of the Jedi, whoops. Um, yeah, it's the, it's a really weird scene because once again, Han and Leia have this banter going back and forth. Leia keeps telling Han, you know, you can't wait to leave. And Han's like, well, you, you don't care about me at all. Really. You don't mind that I'm leaving now. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. some questions really about how long it's been since the first movie took place since a new hope took place. Um, it's been three years, uh, in human production time, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's actually been that long since, this has occurred. There has been, it, it, some time has definitely passed because we've found this rebel, rebel base and we have built it up and we're living in it and things like that. So right. definitely yeah. some time has passed, but you don't know how long this, this underlying love sexual tension thing was going on between Luke, or sorry, Leia and Han. But mm-hmm. Leia decides to piss off Han by kissing Luke. And it's like really weird. It definitely looks like she's forcing her i don't i don't know luke seems just as bewildered and befuddled as as on he's like what well, just happened no. He, I, he kicks his feet up. He puts his hands behind his head. He's like, that's that's right, Han. See, the princess has chosen me. Um, but uh, but yeah, so they're, they're there. The probe droids have crashed. Uh, Han and Chewie go out to investigate. They see it. Imperial probe droid. That could only mean one thing, that Darth Vader and crew are about ready to uh, find this rebel base. They're going to come in and kill us all. It's time to leave. We got to go. So they're going to start loading up the transport ships. They're going to be sending them off uh planets to try to save as many you know of the members of the rebel alliance as they can uh but there's going to be an epic epic ground battle um slash ice battle here on the surface of hoth and if you are a rebel trooper in the trenches on hoth and you pull out your binoculars and you look and you see an imperial walker and it stands like a hundred feet tall and it has cannons on its head and it's walking at you like a like a crazy giant uh, like mammoth sized elephant, just raining down fire on you. That that's a bad day. That's a bad bad day. day. Now I have a, I have a secret. I don't know if it's a secret, but I have something to tell you about star Wars and me. There's like a black hole inside of my head for all things, episodes Mm. four, five, and six, probably one, two, and three as well. Okay. Let's just be honest. And what that means is that every time I see these films, I've seen them numerous times, but every time I see them, I kind of forget. 
I kind of forget what happens. So during this scene, I watched this last night and I was entranced by how amazing the set direction was, how amazing Mm, the special mm -hmm, effects were, mm -hmm. how amazing these shots were taken because you have a moment where Luke actually like catapults himself up into one of these at-ats and it looks like it's like a hundred feet tall. And it's just amazing. This, this movie is older than I am and it can do Mm -hmm. things that I would not have ever believed that it could do uh, that a Mm -hmm. movie that old could do. And it's such an epic kind of ground battle between the, the kind of the fire that's raining down and all of the running around that's happening. And they're in this kind of the, the captain's area of the rebel base and they're trying to get everybody out and they're trying to get Leia safe. And she is a total, um, man, she's just a heroine, right? She's like, I'm yeah. not leaving my people. I'm, she, I'm gonna- she is, she is the boss of the Rebel Alliance. For That's sure. right. She's amazing. And it's such a great scene. And it was like watching it for the first time. It was so good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's right. even though I know what happens, I was like, are they going to get out? <laughs> is she going to get out? Because there are things that are falling out of the- out of the walls yeah the tunnel the tunnels are collapsing like they're they're underground like base there in the in the snow um we mentioned that this you know won a special achievement uh oscar for visual effects and i think that this first battle is probably a big reason uh why it did that um you had in the 1977 star wars you had the big space battle um and that was very revolutionary but one of the one of the kind of the boundaries that got pushed here with empire strikes back is they have this you know, it, it's almost like it's a big aerial battle. You have the snow speeders; they're going against these these big uh, walkers and things. Uh, but it it's like a it's like a white on white uh, color contrast, so you can't hide any of like any of like the wires that you would be using or things. There's there's nowhere to hide it in space. You can hide the wires, right? Because the background is black, but here the background is white, so everything would would show. So it, it took a lot of time and effort and energy to get this to look great and it does look great it looks it looks fantastic um i remember even back as a kid i really liked the host section and this and this battle and the snow speeders are flying around these walkers and tripping them up with their cables and stuff and and that's pretty great um now as you mentioned luke gets up into one of these blows it up that's pretty good uh the rebel alliance seems to be saved for the time being they get off planet um Han is able to get Princess Leia off on the Millennium Falcon, him and Chewbacca, and, you know, of course, C-3PO tagging along there, and Luke gets back to his X-Wing, and him and R2-D2 have their destination. They're headed to Dagobah. Uh, You know, Princess Leia and Han Solo are on their way to get to the next, I guess, uh, rebel kind of rendezvous point, but we're going to, uh, we're going to go with Luke to Dagobah. That's where Ben Kenobi told him to go. That's where he's going to go, and that's where we're going to go with our next cocktail. That's right. And this cocktail is really interesting. It um, calls for some cucumber. So get a whole like English seedless cucumber. Mm -hmm. uh, You need some ice in a glass. You need an ounce of gin. You need five to six ounces of unfiltered apple juice. So if you go and get like Simply Apple or... um, any, it needs to be unfiltered, so it's got to be cloudy, okay? Kind of mm-hmm. like dirty water, only delicious. <laughs> and then uh, a quarter ounce to half an ounce of Midori, all right? And the way you're going to build this bad boy, okay, this Dagobah cocktail is you're going to put some cucumber. You're going to do two slices of that, right, with like a potato peeler, all right? And you're going to put one slice in the glass. You're going to put ice 
in it, and then you'll do one more slice on top. And then you're just gonna pour your gin in first, then followed by the unfiltered apple juice, five to six ounces, and then half, quarter to half an ounce of your Midori, depending on how sweet you want it. And then you're gonna drink this. And yeah. I have to say, it didn't sound great. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm mm, that, mm. but it is really cool. It's got <laughs> some yeah, very, it, it's like an onion of flavor though. It's got a lot of levels. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is, it's a, it's a lot of layers um, as Donkey says and, and Shrek, but yeah, so you, you build this thing up and you drink it and it's weird because uh, you get like the, like the aromatic bit of like the cucumber peel and then you drink it and it's like apple juice, but it's mixed with the like Midori, like watermelon uh, flavor, which tastes super weird. And then you get like, like the gin kind of like backing to it. So like, you know, kind of your botanical gin there. Um, and it's, it's very interesting, but it's, it's really, really delicious. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very hard to describe because there, there's a lot going on, but it's, it's pretty cool. And the Midori is cool too. Cause it's, you know, it's that dark green color. So it's, it kind of, you know, weasels its way down through that unfiltered uh, apple juice so it looks really cool and uh, yeah. very kind of kind of swampy looking which is what Dagobah looks like right no it definitely reminds me of that swamp area that they land in uh and mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. poor poor Luke his x-wing kind of sinks <laughs> into the middle of the swamp it kind of I don't know it, it almost kind of envelopes around him and you can almost, uh, yeah, it's, it's very green, gray, brown, a lot of, like I said, the set, the art direction and the set direction in this, in this film is insane. And he's walking around trying to find master Yoda, right. Who's supposed to be, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, a thousand years old or something. And he's supposed to be, you know, one of the most, uh, knowledgeable, uh, Jedi's and the and Jedi masters in the way of the force, and, uh, and then he finds Yoda and you think that Yoda is going to be this old man, kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe older, you know, this humanoid looking person. Um, and it is anything, but it is, it's what we now know as Yoda, which is a little green pointy eared short animatronic looking thing. I don't, what, what is Yoda? What, um, yeah, so uh, we don't know what we don't know what we don't know what Yoda is. Uh, that's uh, oh, that's okay. one of these that's one of the Star Wars mysteries. Um, is that you never uh, you never know exactly uh, what species or where uh, Yoda or uh, Yoda's people <laughs> come from, I guess. Um, but yeah, we we do meet him. Um, you know, he's a he's a puppet created by uh, you know the kind of the Henson uh, Muppetry uh, style. He is voiced and moved around by Frank Oz now. Uh, Jim Henson uh, was asked to do it, but uh, just time constraints, he wasn't able to. So uh, he was the one that recommended Frank Oz, who also worked at the at the Henson uh, company doing the Muppets. So uh, that you have that, and now you have um, you know there could there could only be one voice of Yoda, and that is Frank Oz, and uh, it's pretty amazing. One of the one of the cool things is because he's a puppet, the entire set of Dagobah was built on a soundstage, at, like like 
two, like two to three feet tall because Frank Oz had to be underneath of it so he could puppet Yoda uh, through all of this stuff, uh, which is which is really cool. But but yeah, we meet him. He goes back. Luke doesn't know who it is. He's like, you're just this crazy little little old hermit green guy. You're stealing my food. You're attacking R two D two. You know, you know, you're just causing trouble. I just want I just want to go meet Yoda. Uh, so can you take me to him? And Yoda says, Yeah, I'll take you to him. Sure. Uh, let's swing by my house. We'll have some dinner, and and then I'll then I'll take you to see Yoda. Uh, but Luke's, Luke's impatient. That's not a good trait for a Jedi, uh, says Yoda, as he reveals himself to be the one true uh, Jedi master. Yeah. No, it's a great scene. Um, Yoda is so patient. It's it's an almost annoying. In today's day and age, you're like, dude, just just speak. But he speaks the way he speaks, right? He does this. It's it's like pig Latin, but it's not. It's like it's like pig Latin, but with words, with whole mm-hmm. sentences instead of words. Um, so um, yeah, much much to learn you have, kind of thing, right? So he does agree to train Luke um, and starts to train him in ways of the Force. One of my favorite scenes is he's got Luke has Master Yoda on his back like a little baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the carrier, right? And he's like, <laughs> it's baby Bjorn. Yeah, he's running <laughs> yeah, around. Right. He Luke is running around the swampland. You know, he's jumping over his half sunk X wing. He's doing these flips. He's running around, and he's like, I, I've learned so much. I've learned so much already. I, I can do this, and this is great. And um, but he doesn't have a lot of faith in himself, and he doesn't really have enough faith in the Force to make things mm-hmm. work. And one of my favorite scenes is that Yoda basically shows off the breadth and and greatness that the force has and yoda kind of lifts up his plane um that has completely now sunk right Mm -hmm. and i never i'd seen that scene before but again i have a black hole in my brain when it comes to this so not only was i like wow that's amazing but i loved what happened directly after which is luke looks at yoda and says that's, I don't believe that you just did that. I don't believe it. And Yoda says, well, that's why you fail. That's why you mm-hmm. can't do it because you don't believe what you're doing. You don't believe enough in the force. And it's kind of one of those things that makes you realize that the force will give you what you give it. So if you truly believe that you, the force is with you and you can do all these things through the force, that that will happen. At least that's mm-hmm. my interpretation of that scene. And it's one of my favorite scenes um, of like the Jedi training scenes for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty great when he's lifting the, the X-Wing out of there because you've seen Luke like uh, doing that with rocks. He's lifting R2, uh, D2 up in the air and things. He's trying to do that, um, but he keeps losing his concentration. He keeps dropping these things. And yeah, when Yoda tells him to, to get his X-Wing out of the swamp, he tells him that he can't do it. And, uh, you know, he tells him, you know, there, you know, do or do not, there is no try. Uh, Luke, Luke gives it a crack. And then he says that it's, it's impossible. Like you said, um, now, now the music that's playing, I'm not entirely sure that it's better than the whole of the fame soundtrack, but pretty sure that it is. Um, it's, it's pretty gorgeous. It, it's, it's, ama- it's an amazing scene, but kind of to, to encapsulate our time on Dagobah is, you know, Luke's Luke's starting to get these visions. He knows that his friends are in trouble. And he needs to go save them. Now, Yoda is there. The spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi are there. And they're like, 
Luke, listen, dude, you're not ready. You're going to go meet Darth Vader. That's going to go as bad as possible. It's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for your friends. It's going to be bad. Don't do it. Stay here. Complete your training. Don't be hasty. Have some patience like Yoda has. Yoda has like oodles of patience. You need to have just a little bit of this patience um, before you go. And but but no, he knows that his friends are in trouble and his friends are in trouble uh, because they've been on, you know, they've been chased by the Empire, by the Star Destroyers, uh, and they've had to, you know, they only had kind of one course of action, and that was to go into the asteroid field to get out of danger. Yeah, and that proves to be a real bad idea, because they go into this, like, tiny, well, I guess it's a tiny moon, (laughs) but it's it's (laughs) It's, still real big, (laughs) you know? It's it's an asteroid. It's it's a big asteroid. asteroid. Yeah, that's it. It's a big asteroid, but they're kind of riding around, trying to find a place to hide. And Han gets this great idea. Mm-hmm, He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go into this asteroid and we're just going to sit here and we'll just wait for this whole thing to blow over. It'll be fine. And of course, the famous line, Leia says, I have a really bad feeling about this. I really hope you know what you're doing. And he's like, I do too. I really hope I know what I'm doing and we don't end up dying. But what ends up happening is they end up uh, inside the belly of a giant space whale thing yeah it's a it's a big like space worm they go into this uh they go into what they think is a cave but really it's a tunnel that this uh little space worm guy has has dug but they go in there they land they're trying to fix up the ship because you know it's the Millennium falcon uh it's a bucket of bolts it's never uh it's never living up to its full potential it never seems to want to work right so they're there they're doing their repairs Uh, but this is an important section because this is when our love starts to flourish that's right. Oh, yeah. They start to have it. So Han and, and Leia have this crucial conversation where he says, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you don't like me because I, you think I'm a bad guy, but I'm, I'm kind of a good guy. And they have this moment where they start kissing. And then of course they get interrupted by Chewie. Who's like, Rrr! and it's, you know, C-3PO I think is there having a moment. He's beating up R2-D2. I don't understand that relationship because C-3PO will totally yell like horrible things at R2-D2. And then R2-D2 will inadvertently save the day once again. Mm -hmm, And he's mm -hmm. like, I never doubted you for a second. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's right. Uh, C-3PO is like your obnoxious uh, know-it-all friend. And yeah, he totally totally walks in and blows up the spot when uh, Han and Leia finally are kissing. Uh, There, they're doing doing the repairs. It turns into a passionate kiss. C-3PO comes in uh, to let to let them know, you know, that uh, Chewbacca needs help or something on the ship. I don't remember, but, uh, but yeah, so you get the kind of the blossoming of this, of this love, but you know, about then they decide, Oh, we're inside of this worm. We need to get out of here immediately. So that's what they do. They fly out, they get out just in the nick of time. They're flying through the teeth. They're still in the asteroid field. There are still star destroyers around. They are getting, uh, you know, they're getting shot at left and right. The hyperdrive is still not working. Uh, Bahan has a really good plan and that he's going to fly directly at the Star Destroyer and attach himself to it. And that way they're not going to be able to see him. They can't see him on their uh, their scopes, on their little map. Can't find out where this thing is because he is attached to them. Uh, but, you know, it's a, it's not all roses and rainbows because on board that very same Star Destroyer, Darth Vader's there with, uh, you know, a handful of the galaxy's most feared bounty hunters. And he's like, you know, uh, go get go get Han Solo. Uh, don't no disintegrations, Boba Fett. Uh, just capture him because I need right. him alive because Han Solo is going to be my bait to get yep. Luke Skywalker to come and confront me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because it's the first time we see 
uh, Boba Fett in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this trilogy, right? So in episodes one, yes. two, and three, we kind of see the creation of how he got to be who he is and all of that. Um, but we didn't know anything about that when this came out in 1980, right? So all we see is this guy in this green armor and he says like two words, the entire trilogy. <laughs> mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. says them in this and he, I think he says, yes, sir, or something like that. Um, but the, it, it is really interesting to me how Boba Fett becomes this just iconic character throughout the entirety of the Star Wars saga, right? Because he's this total, like, well-known, hugely feared bounty hunter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he will stop at nothing to get his, uh, to get Han Solo and uh, to collect his bounty. And he is going to collect his bounty from a guy that we don't know yet. Um, no, we do actually, because we see him in a new hope, right? We see Jabba the Hutt in the new hope. And that is. Yeah. In the special this, editions. Yeah. So we, so we see him there. Yeah. But only in the special editions, right? Where he's kind of weird yep. and walking around and that's odd, but yes. So depending on when you watched this, you know who Jabba the Hutt is, at least you know what he looks like or not, right? The first time I saw this, I had not seen the special edition. So I had no idea who this guy was, but mm-hmm. he didn't sound good. <laughs> he yeah, didn't that's... sound like a good guy. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Boba Fett was this, he was like this weird, like pop culture, uh, sort of like phenomenon kind of thing. Cause like you mentioned, he does, he only says a couple words in this film, but, but he looked cool. He was very mysterious. Uh, Star Wars toys were all of the rage, um, you know, from 1977 all the way up to today. So got like this, uh, this huge following for this guy, but yeah, he, these bounty hunters are tasked with going to get Han Solo uh, and Boba Fett is the one that's going to do that. So you see um, it's a, it's a really gorgeous scene. Uh, he says that they're just going to stay attached to the star destroyer and they'll uh, you know, he knows that uh, Imperial protocol is that they're going to dump all of their trash before they go. They go into hyperspace and he says, when they do that, we're just going to detach and we'll float away with the rest of the garbage. And they do. It's very pretty. Leia says, you know, you have your moments, gives him a little kiss, but you see Boba Fett's little ship just trailing after him. Uh, he, he was on to, on to Han's plan to float away with the trash. Uh, so he can't, can't quite get away. Uh, but they are on their way to the next destination. Uh, where are you going to go? You need to go to a place where you have some friends in high places that can help you get your ship fixed, can help you lay low. And that is Cloud City, Bespin. That's where we're headed next. And that is where we're going to get our third and final cocktail for The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so this cocktail is really beautiful. It looks like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. cup of cloud. It's so pretty. Um, and it's actually really easy to make. It is also a gin drink. So you're going to need two ounces of your favorite gin. You need an ounce of blue curacao. Now we'll talk about the the blue curacao in a minute, but an ounce of that. You need an ounce of lemon juice and then an egg white, okay? Mm -hmm. And what you're gonna do is uh, you're gonna put all of that in a shaker with some ice and you're gonna shake that and then you're gonna strain it into a chilled glass. And it's gonna be this really brilliant kind of blue color the lemon juice and the egg white gives it kind of this um, opaque, uh, it, like it's not a, it's a light blue, but it's also, it's like a vermeer blue. It's really mm-hmm. beautiful and it's creamy. 
Um, and you're going to drink uh, one sip of this and think it might have too much lemon, but then you're going to drink a second sip and be like, this is pretty darn good. That's that that's going to be the, the course of events that happen if you make this drink, I promise you. That's right. That is that is the story here. Um, yeah, this drink, it is beautiful. It is very kind of sophisticated tasting, um, but it's still kind of fun and fruity. You get the orange from the blue curacao. Um, you get those that kind of acidity from the lemon juice. And, and yeah, maybe it was a little bit of lemon. You and I were hypothesizing because we used a Giffords blue curacao, which is a really high quality uh, blue curacao that maybe the lemon was just a little bit too much for that. And if you're using a blue curacao, like a, like a cheaper one, that would be a little bit more kind of sugary and less refined. Maybe the lemon cuts through that. So, you know, your mileage may vary uh, there. It probably depends on the exact, you know, lemon you're using and, and stuff like that too. So, um, but yeah, definitely give this one a try. Cause this was, this was delicious and it was pretty, it would totally be an easy way to impress someone with your mixology skills. If you're like, Oh, I'll mix you up this cocktail. And it's going to be this opaque blue thing sitting and nested in a little cup, uh, you know, yeah. looking like cloud city. It's, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And cloud city is actually also very beautiful. Now it's True. so different than all of the other scenes because everything is like white and crisp and clean and Leia, they, you know, they, they're, they're headed in. Leia's asking Han, like, where are we going? Who do you know? And he says, oh, it's my old friend <laughs> and sort of enemy. <laughs> Lando Calrissi. Frenemies. <laughs> right, right. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know him well. Um, I don't really trust him, but I know him. And so he, of course, Lando is there. Lando is played by the amazing Billy D. Williams. Mm-hmm. Um there, you know, there's a whole movie spinoff around the friendship that, uh, you know, how, how the origin story of how Lando and Han got to meet each other and what's, what's up, why do they both talk about the Millennium Falcon being their particular ship? Um, but Lando welcomes them, he welcomes them with open arms, you know, it looks like Leia gets to go and have a shower and like change clothes and mm-hmm. they talk a little bit more and, and you know, she's, she's, she doesn't trust Lando at all. She's like, something's weird. This is not right. And Han's like, yeah, I don't trust him either. But you know, I, I, I think, I think we don't really have another option. So, you know, we're <laughs> going to lay getting, low here. It beats, it beats getting shot out of space by a uh, star destroyer for sure. Right. So. so they, uh, but of course, you know, Leia, her intuition was correct. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Lando totally made a deal uh, with the devil, AKA Darth Vader in this mess, right? Darth Vader, uh, kind of put, put, put the screws to Lando and, you know, Lando didn't feel like he had a choice. Um, so you can tell he's, he he regrets (laughs) being put in this position, but at the end of the day, he's not going to go, he's not going to get shunned to space. He's going to let somebody else do that. Yeah. I mean, you do kind of, as you're watching through this section, you feel like, uh, Lando had kind of betrayed him, but I mean, he goes on to make the the very important point that uh, Darth Vader got here first. And what did you want me <laughs> to do about that? Right? You don't you don't really have any options uh, when you're dealing uh, with Darth Vader, who says, you know, uh, kind of at the at the tail end of this, you know, uh, Lando says that wasn't that wasn't part of our deal, and Darth Vader is like. I don't care. Uh, pray I don't uh, change our deal anymore <laughs> than I'm doing right now. So, uh, you know, so he, he doesn't really care uh, about Lando, but yeah, they get there. Things are amiss. You get uh, C-3PO. He hears like an astromech droid. He goes in to investigate it and 
you know, he ends up getting uh, blasted into 10,000 pieces uh, that Chewbacca is going to have to carry around on his back and try to put back together. Um, like I said, Leia's there. Chewbacca's like locked in the room. They're playing this really high pitched sound. So he's like going crazy. Um, Han is getting tortured. Uh, all this bad stuff is happening. And it's just to send negative vibes out into the universe that Luke can pick up on. Uh, so, you know, go back to Dagobah and Luke's there and he's like, oh, my friends are in trouble. My friends are in pain. I need to go help them. Uh, you know, he's he's being told not to go, but uh, Luke has his mind made up. You know, That's Han right. at the beginning of the film went out to save him, risked his life to do it. So Luke's going to going to do the same for his friends at Cloud City. So you see him and R2 uh, packing up the X-Wing and they're they're off to Cloud City to uh, to try to help because Darth Vader, he knows what he's doing. He set this trap perfectly. He's got Luke coming. That's that's who he really wants. He doesn't care about Han. He doesn't care about Leia. He doesn't care about, you know, Chewbacca. Uh, he just wants he just wants to get get Luke there because he's got news for Luke. But but yeah, he's going to get there. <laughs> he is going to get there. So poor Han, he gets encrusted in carbonite. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sorry, maybe not encrusted. Maybe that's not the right word. He gets, <laughs> I, I don't know. They, there's a scene and it, it's actually um, I'd always made fun of this scene or I'd thought this scene was really hokey the last couple of times I watched this. But then this time, because of the black hole in my head, um, I actually really thought it was quite romantic because they, they, you know, Han and Chewie are there with Leia and Han is yelling at Chewie and he's like, look, I'm going to get whatever happens to me is going to happen to me. You need to take care of the princess. You need to make sure that she's safe. You need to make sure that she's okay. And you need to do your best. And it's really quite beautiful the way that he's uh, like, it's, heart it's heart it's heartbreaking yeah chewbacca is he's just he's wailing he's so upset <laughs> he's so and distraught upset. He's, he's trying to throw throw the guards and he's like and yeah han's like like listen calm down you you have to take care of her because you know what's happening is happening so right and then she kind of becomes overwhelmed and so he kind of goes in this Again, the set's amazing. Okay. I can't believe this was 41 mm -hmm. years, 40 years ago. Um, they go into this weird thing where he's, he's going to be in the circle on the floor and he's kind of lowered down and then they, you know, I don't know, pour this carbonite on him or something. I don't know what happened. We don't really see that piece because there's a lot of steam, but as he's being lowered down, Leia tells him she loves him. And he's like, I know. And it, it, they always make it sound like it's so flippant. Like he's like, I know, I know you love me. But really, when you see this scene, it, it's really quite beautiful. Like, I don't think he says it back because he's still like, not, I don't know. He, he can't be that vulnerable, but he knows that, you know, he does know. And you can tell he also feels the same way. It's actually really, really romantic. And then he gets lowered down into this death pit of metal <laughs> and then, you know, he comes back up and he's like, and, you know, his hands are, everything is like encrusted in this very black metal looking thing, which is supposed to be carbonite. Yeah. And they check the, mm -hmm. they check his vitals because apparently you can check once, even though you're metal, they can check to make sure you're still alive in this, in this show. Mm -hmm. And so they, mm -hmm. they do check that and he's still alive. So there's some hope there because if he's still alive then that means they can probably figure out uh, a way to rescue him later. But um, Boba Fett is like, yeah, this is my guy. I'm taking him back to Jabba the Hutt. I'll see y'all later. Thanks, Darth Vader. And then Darth Vader's like, you know, you can uh, do whatever you want to do with Chewie and Leia, right? Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't care about them at all because he can feel that Luke is coming. 
Yeah, he knows Lucas come in. Yeah, he'd uh, he told Lando that you know Leia and Chewbacca could stay with him there on on Cloud City, and Boba Fett was going to be taking uh, Han off as his uh, bounty prize there. So yeah, you'll see Han getting like pushed through the halls um, and up into his ship to go off to Jabba the Hutt for for a future film. Um, Darth Vader comes in to tell uh, Lando Calrissian that, uh, oh, by the way, uh, you know, I said that Leia and Chewbacca could stay with you. Uh, just kidding about that. They're coming with me. Um, and that's where you get, you know, Lando's like, that wasn't part of the deal. And Darth Vader says, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I don't care. You know, pr- pray I don't alter the deal any further. Uh, but about this time, Luke shows up and he's kind of he's kind of stalking through the halls. I have to say, uh, Bespin, Cloud City, it's gorgeous, especially in the special editions. Um because I, I can barely even remember like the original editions now because the special editions have been in the world for like, you know, whatever, 25 years at this point. Um, but it's it's all like like with the open windows and stuff and you see like that that pinkish uh, kind of like gas clouds and behind. So it's really it's really beautiful looking. But, but Luke's going through the hallways. Uh, Leia sees him. She tells him she yells out. It's a trap. Luke, don't don't go. Bad idea. Trap. Don't get out of here. Um, but, you know, Luke is persistent. He's going to go and confront Darth Vader, uh, just like he did back on Dagobah in that tree cave. Uh, he's he's going to go. He thinks that he knows enough now after spending a week with Yoda that he can defeat the ultimate bad guy uh, of all time. So he goes, uh, they uh, have their confrontation, Luke and Darth Vader. It's a really brilliant kind of uh, lightsaber battle they have on that same platform where Han was just frozen in carbonite. Um, And it ends up going into, I don't know, some sort of reactor shaft. Um, In science fiction movies, everything has a a giant shaft of energy um, inside of the building. And that's that's where this battle uh, ends up going. That's right. That's right. But what, how amazing is it? Like the different tunnels that they go through when they're fighting. Some of them are like black with these white lights kind of shining through. Mm -hmm, Some of them are mm -hmm, white mm -hmm. with these black lights shining through. It's very like, you can see now like Dr. Who, um, the alien films that came later, uh, you know, event horizon, all of these space films, right. Mm -hmm. Had, you can see some of the influence for sure. And I don't know where, um, if the, in, if, if these were, if the star Wars films or this particular scene was influenced by another film, but mm-hmm. it's really beautiful and brilliant. And the choreography of how, how they do this, because they don't just use, um, the lightsabers, but, you know, Darth Vader also uses the force to like move things off the walls. And this is way before CGI. So they had to figure out a way to do that in a way that didn't actually hurt Luke because sometimes it really does hit him. In these, right, yeah. In these, and, and I remember looking at this and going, oh, I, gosh, I, I don't know if that was meant to happen because it really does hit him. And it mm-hmm. looks like he's like, oh God, you know? So it's, uh, it's really amazing. There's this, they get onto the shaft and Luke is, fighting with him and Mm -hmm. you know he's a little too arrogant and so uh darth vader has to teach him a lesson and how do you teach someone a lesson with a lightsaber (laughs) yeah you cut off their hand yeah it's very um it's it's very quick to uh to unveil that darth vader is much more powerful much more competent uh in the force than luke so it doesn't take him long to start overpowering him and yeah they end up getting out onto kind of this catwalk kind of a thing and uh luke loses a hand in the fight. Um, and then he loses, uh, kind of everything that he held dear to him. So, uh, kind of what has happened through a new hope is that Luke went on this journey because he believed his father to be, you know, this great Jedi Knight, um, you know, this, this kind of 
idolized character that Luke holds. Um, but here at the end of Empire Strikes Back, when he is at kind of his lowest points, he learns that uh, his father is, in fact, Darth Vader, this ultimate menace, his uh, adversary, this one that just, you know, uh, took his friends and uh, had him, you know, encased in carbonite and took the rest of his friends and cut off his hand and, you know, <laughs> was willing to, to do all of this to uh, to expose Luke to the fact that he is his father. Um, and, you know, you get Mark Hamill here. Uh, it's very emotional as he's saying, no, that's not true. Uh, that's not possible. Um, and, you know, you get kind of this, this moment of uh, serenity in Luke as he kind of accepts that fact and he is, he is more prepared to uh, just fall off of this platform to his uh, assured death as opposed to uh, face Darth Vader. Um, so it's, it's really very beautiful and very moving. Um, and neither of uh, you or I were alive in 1980 to know kind of the cultural ramifications of this twist because uh, apparently it was uh, very tight-lipped and very surprising to people um you know kind of the ultimate uh, movie twist here is that Darth Vader is Luke's father but uh ends up falling uh not to his death uh but to his near death but luckily uh Leia is is in tune with Luke and she can hear his call for help through the force that's right uh they are uh getting getting out They've got their Millennium. I think they're still in the Millennium Falcon and mm -hmm. she's driving it because Han is not there. So she's driving it with Chewie and well, Lando's she, Lando's driving it. He used to drive oh, it all Lando's the time when it was it. his. Sorry. Of yeah. course. Right. Sorry. Lando is there. I apologize. See the black hole. It's still here. Um, and she can feel it. She there's a close up on her face. Um, Carrie Fisher's face. And she says, oh, Luke. Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta go back. We gotta stop. We gotta turn around. And they're looking at her like she has lobsters coming out of her ears. They're like, dude, sweetie, <laughs> we that's, just, we just made it out by the skin of our teeth. This is real, real bad. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of my favorite, um, almost individual moments of, of this too. And they both kind of revolve around Chewbacca. So the, what I mentioned when he was uh, so sad when, you know, when Han was getting lower down, yeah. but, but Leia tells, uh, Lando that they need to turn around to go get Luke and Lando's like we're not turning around and Chewie just looks like he is like I'm gonna rip your head off of your neck right now if you don't do what she says um, and that's awesome and they turn around they get Luke and they're uh, they're they're off to fight another day that's right and they're in this I love the next scene they're in this medical ward and they're kind of putting this this hand that's very flesh colored and looks just like a regular hand back onto Luke and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's He's definitely different. Um, he's definitely got a different kind of aura around him and an attitude around him than at the beginning of the film, right? He has had uh, the totally the wind knocked out of him, so to speak, right? He thought he mm -hmm. was going to go and save his friend and save the universe and fight Darth Vader and that it would be fine because he had all these, this gift from the forest and you know, now he, he, luckily he's getting his arm repaired. So he's going to be able to, uh, to do things with two arms and two hands, but, um, you know, he's very much different. He, you can tell that, you know, this, he has to wrestle now with the fact that, you know, his father is this horrible human being and, and mm -hmm. is, is, you know, has his friend they've, and they've got to regroup. And not only does he and his friends have to regroup, but all of the rebels have to regroup if they have any chance 
of overcoming this major defeat, right? Because if you take a look at the whole film, they had their rebel base found out, there was a ground war. Um, some people were evacuated, but a lot of people died there. So they've, they've, mm-hmm. they've taken a major hit, not just him and his friends, but also the rebels in general. Um, and it's a really kind of somber way that, that this ends um, until the very, very end, I think. Yeah, you do get a little tiny glimpse of optimism as uh, you'll see Chewie and Lando uh, flying off in the Millennium Falcon. They're on their way. Uh, we learn to try to go find to go find Han. Uh, you get Leia and Luke kind of looking out this uh, this very large window on this uh, kind of freighter ship that they're on, looking out into the into the distance. And then, uh, yeah, that's kind of where where it uh where it kicks off that's where it that's where it leaves us at the end of uh the empire strikes back so uh you know a pretty pretty dark pretty bleak tale um you know if you you think of star wars as being this this trilogy right so these three films so this is definitely kind of the the low point the act two and then uh able to able to start coming back but you do get a little little glimmer of of hope there at the end that maybe you know they have made it out of the uh the depths of their of their struggles and are able to to maybe start coming back and that's where empire strikes back ends you know it doesn't end with a big glorious metal ceremony from blowing up a death star it ends with a fake hand and uh you know sending people off into the abyss to find their friend they don't know if they're going to be able to recover and uh the knowledge now that uh luke has to go forward with that his uh dad was uh you know, not this, not this uh, person to be idolized, maybe um, in all aspects. So that's the Empire Strikes Back. So aside from black holes, uh, aside, Michaela, uh, what, I guess, tell us kind of, kind of your history, I guess, with Empire Strikes Back. Do you remember like seeing it the first time or um, like where, I guess, in the the scope of Star Wars stories, where, where does this one land for you or uh, just, just any kind of any tidbits about uh, Empire Strikes Back you want to share with the folks at home? Yes, I remember my half-brother, when he lived with us, he had really cool Star Wars sheets, bed sheets. I don't know why I remember that, but uh, I do remember a lot of the merchandising. Like, this film was one of the first films, or, well, this trilogy, right, was one of the mm-hmm. first ones to ever really do merchandising, in the certainly in the way that it had. So there were lunchboxes and figurines and pajamas and sheets and plates. I mean, anything. And it has not ended. So everything that you want, from speakers to cup holder i mean everything you can get it star wars related right and and now mm-hmm. there's so many different kind of star wars stories there's the the three trilogies that you kind of put together there's the you know the history of boba fett or the book of boba fett there's the mandalorian with baby grogu like there's so many other pieces you mm-hmm. could love you know you could be you could have star wars stuff forever but i remember when the films came out, they were remastered and they were put out on the big screen. Um, mm-hmm. I had definitely seen them before that, but I remember watching them on the big screen. And that last scene that you talk about where there's this window that Luke and Leia are looking out at, um, and then you see them and then it pans back and they're in this medical ship that is now taking off. And then in, you can also see the Millennium Falcon kind of going a different way. I don't know uh, if that was part of the remastered or if that was in the original, but Mm -hmm. that is absolutely beautiful. Um, And you can tell, I think, some of the Harry Potter films 
where they're in, you know, something horrible has just happened and they're ending, but they want to end on a, on a semi high note. They have that mm-hmm. same kind of look where they they've got the people looking off into the distance, looking at, at their friends or something and they pan out. And it reminds me, I mean, it just shows, it tells me how influential this movie was. Mm-hmm. But what about you? I mean, you, you've loved star Wars since birth, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So I don't, I don't remember like the exact specific time I would have seen this the first time. I know um, Star Wars was a very big part of my uh, childhood growing up. It was like a a very frequent uh, video rental from our uh, county library. My mom worked down the road from the library and we would, uh, you know, she would, you know, a couple of nights a week stop and get movies that we would watch, which, you know, kind of spawned my just general love for movies now. But uh, Star Wars was one that always seemed to make a home more often than not. Um, I I remember, um, you know, really liking this. I really liked the section on Hoth, um, in particular as a kid, I remember really liking that. I really like the Tauntaun. That's my favorite kind of animal in star Wars. So I've always kind of gravitated towards this story. And, um, you'll see a lot of people when they're talking about star Wars, you know, ranking this up as kind of their favorite one or the best one. Um, and, I, I think that's because it, it still has a lot of fun. Like I mentioned, I really like the Hoth stuff at the beginning with the Tauntauns and that battle. That's fun. But as, as you kind of age with it, you're, you pick up on kind of the, the darker, um, more like mysterious tones. You identify with the stuff with, you know, kind of those lessons that he's learning from Yoda. But yeah, the Empire Strikes Back is just really great. And then, yeah, I remember seeing the special editions with my dad at the movie theaters when those came back out in uh, 1997. Um, you know, I was, would have been, you know, like, uh, like 15 years old. So just kind of getting into high school. So, you know, still a, a very, you know, kind of influential, like informative part of my, my upbringing. So yeah, it's had kind of these, these touch points uh, with me as I've gone through the years. So I uh, really love this film was really excited to talk about it. Of course, love May the 4th um, and love Star Wars. So let us know at home if you, uh, If you love Empire Strikes Back, if you made these cocktails with us, uh, let us know what your favorite Star Wars movie is. Uh, If it's this one, if it's something else, let us know. We want to know all of that stuff and let us know how you're celebrating May the 4th. If you're watching one of the TV shows, if you're watching a movie, if you're uh, going to a a Star Wars convention, Star Wars Celebration is coming at the end of the month. Uh, Let us know if you're going to that because we want to hear all of that stuff. We want to see pictures of uh, your cocktails, especially the Bespin cocktail, because that is a sexy looking cocktail. Uh, so let us know that. Uh, let me see pictures of your Star Wars toys. Uh, let us see all that stuff. You can do that on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Drink the Movies and on Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. If you want to see pictures of our cocktails, episode recaps, all that good stuff, you can do that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And we would really appreciate if you uh, subscribed and reviewed the podcast. Where should they go do that, Michaela? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We do two drops a week uh, and they're both real fun. So you should subscribe to us if you're hearing us for the first time. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends. We're building a great community that combines cocktails, mocktails, and movies. And we want you on that ride with us. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We do. So uh, thanks so much for checking us out on our special May the 4th uh, presentation of The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Michaela, you know, at this rate, we're going to get through all nine of the Star Wars films. We've only got uh, seven left to do, but by then there will be more Star Wars movies. So I think I think this 
this May the 4th uh, Drink the Movies train is probably just never going to end. We're just going to have to keep talking about Star Wars indefinitely. And I think we're both okay with that. So hopefully everyone is willing to go on that journey with us and will come back and check in with us next time on Drink Drink the the movies. Movies. May the Force be with you always.